Class A's, Class B's, Class C's, travel trailers, fifth wheels, tiny homes, motor homes, bus conversions. It can be daunting. Just like this intro. Not sure what type of RV to buy for you or your family? We're going to talk about the pros and cons of all the different types of RVs on this week's episode of RV Miles. everybody and welcome to RV Miles, your home for RV and camping news, reviews, travel guides, and more. I'm Jason. And I'm Abby, and this is episode 9 of the RV Miles podcast. To get today's show notes, you can go to rvmiles.com slash episode 9. You can also keep up with RV Miles on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And if you'd like to keep up with Jason and I's personal travels with our three boys, Jack, Ethan, and Henry, you can find us at OurWanderingFamily.com, and we are also at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. On this week's show, we're going to talk about some of the different types of RVs that you can own, and what are the positives and negatives, the pros and cons for all the different types that are out there. And, and there's, there's, a lot there's a lot out there. Yeah. You'd be surprised. Um there were ones that I didn't even remember I putting know. the article together. So <laughs> I was surprised when I read the article. <laughs> we're also going to talk a little bit about internet. That's a really hot topic with RVers, staying connected when you're out on the road. And work camping has come up a few times, so we're going to chat a bit, little bit about that. Yeah, but first let's talk about the news. The, the big news right now is all the new models being announced by manufacturers last week at the Hershey RV show yeah. and this week at the open house. It's that time of year again when we get to see all the new pretty RVs coming out. Yeah, and something that really caught my eye today, Winnebago announced their new Class B and this one is called the Revel and this one is special because it is the first production four-wheel drive RV. It is so sweet looking too yeah yeah it <laughs> this this thing it's it's built on the the four by four sprinter chassis so it's a mercedes and the wheelbase there are not the wheelbase but the 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 bottom of the rv the clearance yeah is about 20 20 percent higher than than any other class b so you've got a lot of room to literally climb over rocks with this thing. <laughs> Go and off-roading. <laughs> they, they had some people testing it that they showed on the product launch, driving it off-road up mountains and out in the middle of nowhere. The other cool thing about it is it doesn't need to be winterized. Yeah, that's that's kind of a big deal. It's got, So all the tanks, everything that would be liquid is totally enclosed inside the RV and it has a diesel heater. There's no propane on board, so it just uses a diesel heater, and then you can use the engine as a gener as a generator. Your cooking and your fridge is all electric, and it's got solar power and uh, a big battery bank. But yeah, you can just you can take it anywhere and not have to winterize. I mean, it's like completely yeah. put together into everything that you yeah. would kind of want in a Class B, and like the solar. And then just being able to have it completely winterized. I mean, those are two big major issues for RVers that 
all, right there are already taken off the table. So this was kind of exciting. And I know you today spent a lot of time like watching some of the factory videos and seeing what this thing could do and plotting for when you're going to be purchasing one. So it's $150,000. So uh, it's going to be a while. It's going to just a, just a little bit. <clears throat> but uh, but we can all have dreams, we Jason. We can all have dreams. <laughs> and watch factory videos over and over. So check, go to, go to, rvmiles.com and check out the uh, the new Winnebago models. I think you'll be interested. So not only do they have the new Class B, they've got a new budget gasser Class A coach and a new Class A diesel pusher, which is super modern. Yeah, inside. those hardwood floors inside of there, that yeah. dark hardwood and that white countertop in this picture that's in the article. And white cabinets. There's no, just... no more wood... More it looks paneling. so good. Mm-hmm. It looks so clean and like just exactly as I would want my interior to look. And then they've added a fifth wheel to the to the mini category. So it's called the mini plus. They've well, been busy over there. If you don't know what a fifth wheel, we're going to talk about that yeah. in a little while when we talk about the types of RVs. <laughs> so anyway, we will link to this in the show notes. We got a question. From a woman named Brenda. We did get a question. Thank you, Brenda, for asking a question. And I thought we would respond to it on the podcast. Yes. Because um, it gets asked a lot, like in some of the groups that we're in. And it's, you know, one of these options that people gravitate towards when they're first thinking about getting on the road and trying to make a little bit of money. Yeah. Brenda's interested in work camping. She writes, I'm new to the idea of work camping. I have an MCI 7 motor coach RV and I'm traveling down to Georgia. I really need to be able to make some money down there. How should I approach the work camping thing? I hear that some people are disappointed because they get full hookups, but not much money. Generally, what should I expect with regards to the hookup wage earning? How much is a decent wage for a work camping gig? I would appreciate any info you guys could share with me. Thank you. Well, Brenda, so work camping is working at a campground and the pay varies between just getting a free site up to you know getting a decent hourly wage plus a free site usually a free site is always yeah i think that's that's sort of the standard the other thing that can vary quite a bit is the number of hours that you're required to work a week and what you're doing. So work camping jobs, wherever you go, they're going to be totally different things. So you can get them at private campgrounds. You can get them at public campgrounds. And it might be mowing the lawns. It might be checking people in and just being available to answer questions. Cleaning the bathrooms. It might be cleaning the bathrooms. And you need to be careful because some of these some of these work camping jobs, they don't offer, honestly, some of them don't even offer a minimum wage when you work out the hours. Some of them offer a great wage when you work out the hours. And there's a difference between saying you're supposed to work 15 hours a week, but that 15 hours is just being available to answer questions from people and saying that you're supposed to work, you know, 30 hours a week and that 30 hours a week is going to be very labor intensive and all you get is a free site for it, which we've seen. Yeah. And I remember when we were first about to get on the road, we actually looked into doing a little bit of work camping. You know, full disclosure, we don't work camp, but we did look at it in the beginning. Do you remember we looked at the Indiana Dunes? Yeah. And they were asking for at least 30 hours 
a week, and it was going to be various um, tasks around the campground. It's um, often like cleaning out the fire pits, yes. just getting the sites ready for the next people yeah. to come in. And that one seemed, when we kind of like did the math a little bit, it did seem like it leaned more towards asking us to do a lot and return the us not getting as much. And for us, because we work on the road, we thought, well, to give 30 hours to that for basically what would equate to free campsite is 30 hours being taken away from our other job, 30 hours being taken away from the kids or what have you. So in that particular case, that didn't work out for us. Now, we have known other people who have had some seriously sweet work camping gigs. So I think my question would always be, how do you go about finding out or applying for the work camping job? Yeah. So for public work camping jobs, you're always going to be looking at sort of the state campgrounds website. But for private private work camping jobs, one of the greatest resources is the Work Campers Facebook group. So if you're really interested in work camping, go to the Work Campers Facebook group and you'll get a ton of information, support, and ideas there. So thank you, Brenda, for the question. Yes, thank and you, Brenda. And if you have a question, please send it to us at editor at rvmiles.com. Yeah, there you go. So this week we are coming to you again from River Falls, Wisconsin. We are still here, very near the Twin Cities. We we were supposed to leave on Sunday, but we decided to stay a few more days because we like this place. Yeah, we actually have really grown to enjoy this city park that we're staying at. And there's been a lot of really great positives about it that have made it kind of hard for us to leave. And we also just kind of felt like we needed to explore Minneapolis a little more. Like we just haven't had the time because work has been really busy to just spend several days inside the city. And also on Sunday was Bacon Fest here in River Falls. Bacon Bash. Oh, Bacon Bacon Bash. Bash. I'm sorry. The annual Bacon Bash. And we felt like we couldn't leave. How do you pass up a bacon bash? Yes. And so (laughs) it was awesome. And we have a small little video up on the Our Wandering Family Facebook page of us devouring this amazing pie that had liquor in it and bacon on top of it. I mean, it was a it was a maple bacon apple, apple. pie yes. with liquor in it. And it called was called Tipsy Pie. Sarah's, Sarah's Tipsy Pie. Yes. And she's awesome and this booth was so good. They had like two different pies. And so we tried that and we love bacon in our family. Four out of five of us, I should say, love bacon in this family. And so we tried that. We had little mini donuts with maple frosting and bacon and this sort of empanada sandwich with bacon and pulled pork and And pineapple. pineapple. It's called the Pineapple Express. And I think though the most interesting thing that we had and something I actually want to try here is that soup. Oh my god. It was so... It it was like Wisconsin cheddar soup with bacon in it. Yes. But they used caramel caramel corn corn instead of like crackers or whatever you might put in your soup. Is this... Common I don't in know. this area. I, I mean, no if idea. someone's listening and they are like, "Oh, that's such a normal thing to do," please 
tell me because I because I'm, it was brilliant. Oh my god, it was so good. I know. I want to put caramel corn on everything now. <laughs> like, so we did stick around. We are sticking around we, for a few more days. We kind of we came here to explore Minneapolis. And part of the reason why we're staying a little bit longer is we discovered that River Falls is actually a really nice small town to visit. A yeah. Real quaint downtown. There was the Bacon Bash. At the same time as the Bacon Bash, there was a classic car cruise. So yeah. we got to see dozens Which was of great, classic cars. Yeah. Our kids love cars and our two oldest were going around trying to pick out the car that they were going to go cruising together in which was like incredibly adorable i don't know if they ever settled on a car like there were just too many to choose from and i mean and it was a lot i mean that was a really great selection i was a little surprised by how many cars were there it was two blocks up and down on both sides of the street and then one side street and there were just cars all lined yeah. up and and the bacon bash was was I, I don't know it was probably six blocks worth yeah. of stuff and here's um, the thing too because we have been a little i think jaded and really turned off by like street festivals living in chicago because street festivals in chicago are expensive they charge you to get into them although they call it a donation but if you don't give the donation you get like the nastiest look <laughs> from the people up front and then all of the booths are incredible like the food is incredibly and it's expensive all, every festival in chicago even though they're all different things all the street festivals are the exact same vendors. Yes. It's run by the same company. So it, it gets... It's gotten really commercialized. It gets a little samey, samey. Yeah. And so, no. you know, when we were like, oh, Bacon Bash and, you know, um, the campground host here was like, oh, yeah, make sure you take a lot of money, too. So, of course, in our mind, we're thinking, oh, well, it's going to cost like 10 bucks to get, you know, a slice of bacon. And... We ended up getting a lot of food and spending very little. Yeah. So it was kind of cool. It, I think it was good for our soul to like wash away the jaded like Chicago street festival yeah. that is on us and to get into like a smaller town in the Midwest and enjoy their festival. Just a really great. Really great small town experience. Yeah. I'm glad that we were able to do oh it. Oh my gosh, we talked a lot about bacon. <laughs> <laughs> so we when this when this podcast is released, we will have just left this area. Yeah. So I think on next week's episode we'll probably discuss Minneapolis a little bit. Yeah, we're gonna go in for one more day and uh see a little bit more. Yeah. And then we'll I think we'll have the full Twin Cities experience. After and we're that. still kind of figuring out where we're going next. Yeah, we have no idea. We're supposed to be on <laughs> little, little, <laughs> flying fast and loose. Yeah, we're supposed right to be now, on the road so. in thirty six hours and we have no idea where we're going. <laughs> All right. So we're gonna take a short break and when we come back we're going to talk about the different types of RV models out there that you can own, all the millions of different things. You have a collection of them, just like own. a street, like a car show. You and can just line them all up. <laughs> and what kind might be right for you? Yes. But first, have you been tossing around the idea of renting out your RV to make a little extra cash? Or perhaps you'd like to rent an RV, take an epic road trip, and see if the RV lifestyle is for you. Either way, RV Share has you covered. With their safe, easy-to-use peer-to-peer online system, listing your RV has never been easier. And with both private owner and dealer selections, RV Share has an RV that's just right for your road trip. 
All rentals are backed by a $10,000 peace of mind guarantee and come with free 24-7 roadside assistance. With RV Share, there's a rental or rental out there for you. For more information, visit rvmiles.com slash rvshare. Okay, Abby, are you ready for last week's brain teaser? I am. I always am. (laughs) A man is trapped in a room with only two possible exits. Yes, he is. Men get trapped all the time. (laughs) Oh, Jason. Anyway. (laughs) Through the first door is a room with an enormous magnifying glass causing the blazing hot sun to instantly burn anything that enters. Through the second door, there is a fire-breathing dragon. How does the man escape? He goes through the door with the fire-breathing dragon and asks his wife what's for dinner. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) He waits till it's dark outside, and then he goes to the room with the magnifying glass. Oh, because the sun will have gone down. You led me on the wrong path last week. No, last last week you said Mm -hmm. it goes out when the dragon was sleeping, which was kind of close. Oh, get out the front door. Come on now. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Anyway, today we want to talk about the different types of RVs that are out there. And even if you're a seasoned RVer, I think you might find this interesting. I um, found it interesting. I mean, I don't claim to be a seasoned RVer by sure any means, are. but I did find it interesting that there's so much variety out there. My gosh, it's like, how could you not find something that would totally right. suit your needs? Right. Or most of your needs. Most of your needs. <laughs> yeah. Well, everything has its compromises, right? Yeah. There's nothing that's perfect. Yeah. Know, but there are things that are, there are RVs that are going to be the best fit for you. Let's start by defining the term. An RV is a recreational vehicle, which means any trailer, truck camper, pop-up, motorhome, they're all considered RVs. So you might hear some people calling a, you know, a motorhome an RV and a trailer a trailer or calling a trailer a camper. But they're all RVs. They're all RVs. They're, they're all, all RVs. under the big RV umbrella. They're all <laughs> one big happy RV family. And so should we just go right to the... Well, there are two main there are two main categories. There's motorhomes, and there's towables. So we'll start okay. with motor the big homes. guys, the big ones. Yes. Although you know, I guess you could have a small motorhome. They're teeny tiny. I ones. guess you Class could, B's. but I mean, the way you have this article laid out, we're starting with the big guy first, <laughs> which is the Class A. Yeah, so motorhomes are divided up into three classes: Class A, B, and C. And that doesn't have anything to do with the size of them. It's just I don't know. I don't know where it came from, but it's what manufacturers That's what they do. use. It's what they do. The thing about motorhomes that you need to realize is that you are driving your RV. So when you get to the campground and you need to go get groceries or you want to go visit that site, you either have to drive your RV to it, you have to break everything down, or you have to be towing a car behind you. Yes. And we talked about toads a bit last week, so you can yeah. go back and listen to that episode if you're interested in figuring out how to tow a car behind you. But it's it's something to consider that if you're just traveling with the motorhome, you're stuck with the motorhome if you don't have some other means of transportation. Yeah, and I can't think in recent memory that I've seen a Class A in a campground that doesn't have a car with it. I mean, that is, it seems like of all the three um, motorhome options, 
that's the one that, you know, because they're always so big and no one wants to drive that to Walmart. So Class A is sort of the big bus-shaped, boxy-looking RV. You can tell that it's a Class A because the the, the front is going to be flat. Right. Right? And it's going to have a big picture window, usually. And lots of swirly designs on the side. (laughs) Usually some swirls on the side. (laughs) This one that you used for the article, that has some massive swirling happening on it. It's very interesting. (laughs) They tend to be the most expensive of all the RVs, but not always. There's some more affordable, like that Winnebago we talked about earlier. The One of the new ones, not the one we talked about, but their other new one, their new Class A gasser is affordable model um they're usually somewhere between 30 feet up to massive 45 feet long with a tag axle which means they have two axles in the back and that's something you have to be a little bit careful about when you if you choose to go with the class a and you are thinking about full timing in it is that if you're going to get a 45 foot class a you're not going to have every campground accessible to well you. even if you're not going to be full timing it, it, it's true gonna, it but you know issue. you can be a little bit more picky if you're like i'm going out for the weekend and i know yeah. i'm going to this particular state campground whereas you know when you're full timing and you want to pop around all over the place you might find it a little bit harder with a 45 foot like per- i mean we find it hard sometimes and we're 38 yeah particularly in some of the older national and state parks the issue isn't always that there aren't spots for for vehicles that size the issue is often that there's a limited number of spots yeah there's for more that size there's more need and not there's more demand and not enough supply class a's are often laid out for a traveling couple they usually have like one bed in the back, maybe a queen, sometimes a king. Sometimes they have like a drop down bed that over the cab area. Often the dinettes change into beds. Some, a few have a little bunk room. Yeah, uh, I but think most are made for a couple. I have to say, and I'd be curious to see this year at some of the RV shows if that isn't changing a little bit. Because I remember, you know, the last RV show that we went to, uh, you know, we definitely walked through a good number of Class A's that had the bunks and looked like they were set up for family full-timing, family travel. Yeah. And so I wonder if the industry is starting to notice that there is that bit of I a shift happening. And they're so. kind of like trying to balance that out with their larger models. Yeah. So um, I would definitely be curious to see with this year's RV shows what it looks like. One of the nice things about Class A's, they usually have a ton of storage underneath. You can go outside and you can open up. They call it the basement area. And sometimes it goes all the way through. I'm so jealous. Some of them have these big drawers of storage that completely pull out. I'm so jealous of all their storage yeah. constantly. <laughs> the, so <laughs> Most of the, most of them are, are called diesel pushers. So you either have gas engine or diesel. And the diesel engine ones, usually the diesel is in the back. And they call that a diesel pusher. And what that means is the engine isn't up front with you, so it's kind of quieter, and you have a smoother ride going down the road, which is nice. So that's our Class A. So if you're moving along in the motorhome world and you want to look at something else, you can also look at the Class C. Yeah, so B is not next in order of size, so we're going to go Class no, Don't worry, class we know C our next. alphabet. <laughs> <laughs> so a Class C, and it's, it's, a class C is, more, is similar to a Class A. A Class C is what you've seen where there's a area that goes over the cab of the motorhome that is usually like a bed area. There's kind of like an overhang, right? Yes. 
And that's because Class Cs are usually built on a, a van chassis that has been that you know they buy a, a constructed van chassis from Ford or whoever, and then they tear it apart and they build on top of it and they can build this overhang that goes out above. They're more affordable generally than a Class A. The Class C to me is always like the family motor home. Yeah, they're like, not as long, but they but they sleep more people. Yes. Because they've got this area over the over the cab. Well, and they can slide just, out too. Yeah, so they can... they often have slides. Class A's often have slides too. Yes. But but um but usually there's just there's more bed area because of that overhead and and manufacturers know that families are often using class C's, so Yeah. They're more I think they're more floor plans for families. Yeah, absolutely. Them, if that's what you're looking for. They are usually more affordable. They are usually gas. There are some long-term issues with Class Cs. That overhang area can leak. And, I mean, I'm not talking about right away with a brand new RV, but, you know, the older ones, that can be an issue. So if you're looking to buy a used one, that's just something to bear in mind, is that you could have potential issues later on with the overhang. Yeah. So there's your Class C real short and sweet. And again, we will link to this article and Jason has put in images of each type of RV so you can go and take a look at it for yourself and kind of get an idea of what our poor visual (laughs) is giving you. (laughs) So class B. A class B motorhome is one that is, it's built into a van chassis. So not like the, the class C is sort of a cutaway of a van chassis. A class B is built into a van and they're usually, they're these Mercedes Sprinter vans, the Ford Transit van. The Winnebago you're drooling over. (laughs) And they're usually 20, 21 feet long. They're quick and nimble, get good gas mileage. They're so peppy. They're they're peppy. They're really (laughs) peppy and just look like they would just go forever. They are tiny inside, though. Yes, they are. Um, (laughs) They're not made for a family. (laughs) But they do. But the manufacturers do a fantastic job of using every little last inch inside. Yeah. But usually you have to convert the bed. Usually the bed is either like a pull-down Murphy bed or it converts to a couch to be your sitting area. And a lot of people who have Class Bs, they don't have another car. Like, they also use this Class B kind of as their right, their leave, main car. So they'll leave their campsite and, you know, you have to pack things up and go. So I think Class Bs are good for people who want to move quickly those you know, get up and goers, and they're great for they're great for parking in WalMarts, and yeah. you know a lot of people like Class Bs because they can fit into a regular parking space. Mm-hmm. So you know you can take them. A lot of people have them and use them as their second vehicle yeah. at home. Well, They'll, storage doesn't become an issue right. because then you can have it in your driveway or on your property, which can sometimes be really difficult if you own a Class A or a Class C. Depending on the suburb or the neighborhood that you live in, you may not be able to keep that. Yeah, or, or a trailer. A lot of times yeah. you can't park an RV in your driveway if, if your homeowners association doesn't allow it or something. Yeah, so the Class B can potentially eliminate yeah. what could be a major headache for you, which is storing your motorhome offsite. Yeah, so that's motorhomes. Now we're going to talk about towables. Now we're going to get into even more subcategories, <laughs> <laughs> which is the towable world. So towables are going to be RVs that you usually pull behind a truck, sometimes a smaller vehicle. Very rarely, though. Very rarely. Be pulling. We'll talk about that in a minute. Yes. But they are, 
they are vastly the most popular RVs for sure because they are so much more affordable because they don't have an engine mm-hmm. um, and all the stuff that goes along with an engine. Yep. And then they right. stop. Being well, that's affordable. that's the difference is that you know you <laughs> yeah. need a truck to pull them, and yes, some you of do. them you need a beast of a truck to yes. pull. Yes, but not this first one. You don't need a beast of a truck if you're getting the conventional travel trailer. Well, yeah, most I mean, of the most time. of them. Some some conventional travel trailers do get very long and heavy, but yeah. they come in different lengths. And, and a, usually you'll just hear people call them travel trailers. But a, a conventional travel trailer is. A, a trailer that hooks up to a regular bumper hitch on the back of your truck or SUV, potentially. Like you said, they're they're hugely popular, mainly due to their price. You can get them um, very affordably. There are many, you know, in the sub fifteen thousand dollar. You have category. listed in this article ten thousand to a hundred thousand it's a big range (laughs) i really want to take a look at the hundred thousand dollar travel trailer because that thing better be like completely covered in gold (laughs) and then like come with its own private chef (laughs) (laughs) some have slide outs some don't um living living space is going to depend a lot on how long the trailer is and the layouts are just too numerous to imagine yes but i would say that of well, actually, I don't know if I would say this. I was going to say that I feel like of all the towables, the travel trailer is the most popular. But now, like, I know that we're about to roll into the fifth wheel conversation. I don't know. Like, if I think about, like, some past campgrounds, well, I feel like the fifth wheel has either it's becoming a really popular towable or I'm just paying more attention to it. I think there's no doubt that that conventional travel trailers are the most sold by far on the market. But the th- the reason you're seeing fifth wheels a lot is because people that travel a lot or full time are often in fifth wheels. Are often in fifth wheels. And so that's our next our next one is, yeah. is a fifth wheel travel trailer. And that's why we have this delineation between conventional travel trailers and fifth wheels. A fifth wheel travel trailer is just like a regular travel trailer, except it has a fifth wheel hitch. And a fifth wheel hitch is what you see on semi trucks. It is a it is a vertical hitch that goes into the bed of the truck, yeah. down into the frame rails instead of from the bumper area. It almost re- reminds me of like if you took your Class C and took it apart. Right, right. But, you know, like you have the truck is the drivable part of the Class C, and then the fifth wheel trailer is all of the living space. So the the nice thing about fifth wheels is you can get extra length because that area that is over the truck bed is is a bunch of extra area that you right. have for the length. And isn't that often a bedroom? It it is there. often a bedroom. Sometimes yeah. I saw one that is a bathroom with a soaking tub and a big window looking what? out over it. Yeah. Ooh. But you that's... know, so the, they do change they huh. they are often different. Sometimes some some fifth wheels have one bedroom in the very front and one bedroom in the very back. So you can have a kid's room and you can have a separate from the adult's room. Which I'm is still nice. stuck on this bathtub thing. Like you really have to be like, I need a bathtub, I need a bathtub in to, order to, to give up all wheel. that space. And you must have a, you know, a decent sized water heater or not. Yeah. <laughs> like you can't go anywhere that doesn't have water hookup. <laughs> but the other nice thing about a fifth wheel is that uh, they, they just travel nicely. They, they, they turn really easily. They don't, uh, they don't sway, which can be a problem with 
I feel like they would feel more secure trailers. to the truck because they they're in the bed. But they are so they are the beast of they're the biggest the biggest square footage indoors type of towable type of RV period that oh, you can okay. get. So so a lot of full timers like them for that reason. But you do need a beast of a truck to pull them. I mean, you you really you yeah. Really this need is a where dealer. the like sixty thousand dollar RV yeah. is you now need accompanying like a thir- the sixty three quarter ton truck yeah. minimum to to pull them, and uh, and that that's a lot of money. It is you know? a lot of money. But so this is a consideration, you know, to think about the type of RV that you buy might have to do with what you already own. So if you already own a truck. You might be considering buying a towable. If you already own a car that would be great to pull behind a motorhome, you might be considering a motorhome. And now we're going to move into, I guess, we start getting into the wee little compact guys, which are so super cute. They're my faves. So folding camping trailers, often called pop-ups, are are really the entry model for a lot of people. A lot of RVers, they move from tenting, then they get a pop-up, which is essentially a tent that is on wheels. It's like quicker and easier to set up and often has heat and air conditioning. I used to love <laughs> sleeping in the pop-up. Like I just always thought it was like the perfect solution for me when I was little because I would get kind of like scared at night sleeping in the tent and hearing the noises yeah. outside. But then I loved being able to you're, hear the noises. You're up off the ground, yes. you know, you're you're You away feel from... like you're secure <laughs> and like, you know, no animal's going to come pushing up against your tent wall, but at the same time you still get to feel you like you're sleeping you feel outside. like you're ne- next to nature. Yes. But because they are soft walled, you know, a pop-up essentially the roof pops up usually and then the beds slide out and there's these canvas sides with screen mesh. Um because they're soft-sided, there are some campgrounds in bear country where you're not allowed to use a soft side. You cannot bring camper. your pop-up. Yeah. <laughs> Don't go to bear country <laughs> in your pop-up. <laughs> but they are they are super affordable. Pop-ups can be had for as low as $7,000 new. Yeah. Yeah. They're a great introduction into the RV camping world if you're not quite sure if it's for you and your family. Like, they really are. Yeah. So, and that brings us to what is called the hybrid trailer, which I don't see a whole lot of these, but I'm always really fascinated by them when I do see them in the campground. Yeah, it's it's kind of a hybrid is a hybrid between a conventional travel trailer and a pop-up. It's like it just doesn't know what it wants to be. <laughs> right. So when it's going down the road, it looks like a, a travel trailer. But instead of slide outs, usually at either end or sometimes on the side, it has a screen bed like just like a pop up that pops up out of it. So it has sort of this soft sided uh, pop out. So it's kind of an affordable way to extend the space of the travel trailer without getting a heavier trailer, without giving a, getting a longer trailer. Yeah, it's kind of like if you're still, I'm not quite sure if travel trailers are for me. I love my pop-up. Oh, look, I can have the best of both worlds and still only spend maybe like five or six, seven thousand dollars more. Yeah, or if your truck can only pull a small travel trailer, but you have, you know, a family of six or so. Yeah. Th- this can afford you the, the sleeping space that you might need still staying in the weight capacity that you're looking yeah. for. Yeah, And these are really in my, this is my opinion, these few selections that we're talking about pop up in this hybrid. These are like weekend warrior 
Yeah, you wouldn't want a full time or even long term. Yeah, I mean, this is like you know the weekend warrior out every weekend camping, having a great time with our family. These to me do not seem like options if you are looking to go on an extended road trip. If you are looking to full time, they just don't have the setup and the amenities. Now that is not to say that you could not do that, and there I am sure are people out there full time in it with stuff like this. My opinion, though, is that these are better served if you are looking to be a more casual yeah. camper and explorer. Yeah. So next we have teardrops, oh, which are so cute. They're so... Most teardrops are like... Really, really tiny. There's only room for a bed inside. Yeah, And it's this a is small true. bed. This and is true. even the kitchen is on the outside. Yeah. There, you have a... A trunk that pops up in the back, and then you've got a little sink in it. So, there's if there's room to stand up inside of it, to me, that's not a teardrop. I mean, okay. So, a teardrop is something you can pull, you can usually pull it behind like a family car. Yeah. I mean, it literally They're just super lightweight. It just, it's a spot to sleep in. Looks like a wagon. Like, it, I mean, it's yeah. like the length of it is like the size of pulling a, like a wagon. So, you're going to your use this, you're going to use the campground bathrooms. You're going to have a super awesome outdoor kitchen setup. Yeah. But, you're going to have issues in the rain. But we've seen them <laughs> where they've got really cool canopies that go oh, over yeah, them and all tons kinds of, of ways to expand do. them a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like, you can get really creative with how you bring the indoors and the outdoors together with a teardrop. And I'm always really impressed with people that are taking those yeah. out and, like, just doing the major setup and going for it with but those if things. You're, if you're, like, really itching to, like, cruise Route 66 in a classic car... Pulling a teardrop behind it is the way to go. Yeah, for sure. That would be so cool. So next we have truck campers. Now we move to the complete opposite of the teardrop, which is a truck camper. (laughs) Now, these things were like really popular in, I think, like the 70s and 80s. Yes. And it's it's a camper that sits in your truck bed, right? So there's like a high door in the back that you got... Climb up a little st- step. It's like if you take to, a class C and cut it in half, <laughs> and you just set it in the truck yeah. bed. They so they were really dated for a while, and I don't think you know. I think for a long time people really weren't buying them. They're really making a comeback. It's part of this whole like tiny house movement. Yeah, like, and they are tiny. I mean, this is one of the smaller, but because it does have an overhang that goes over your truck bed for a bed inside Mm -hmm. there is a decent amount of space so you often have a full kitchenette and bathroom a place to sit and a bed inside there they're great for you know for one or two travelers no more really for sure Um, and they often have these legs that come down to the ground so you can they always have them really so that but you can drive your truck out from underneath it and just leave your truck camper at the campground now that's not something that's pretty common, though, that campgrounds d- are cool with. Like, th- I've never seen that happen. Well, we saw it. We saw it at... Um, there was a truck camper that was doing it a lot down when we were down in Florida. Well, um, I you saw that, and I must have been standing I was, up at but the Blue I will Angels. I say there are campgrounds that have rules against doing that. So it is something to consider. It I, To me, it's not something you want to do 
much, but I don't, I really don't, I've never had one, so I don't know what the I know, I'm issues curious. with that are, like, but I, I think love... it's more like, you know, it's only, it's like owning a class B where you're going to be taking your camper with you when you go places. Yeah. It's sort of like the ultimate, like all in one, everything just goes with me sort of like road trip option. And again, a really affordable between, you know, they start at 8,000, they go up to like $50,000, but $50,000, they start at $8,000. Well, there's some really tricked out ones. I mean, you know, yeah. it all depends on the finishes that are inside. They, some have solar power. I know it's amazing how expensive it starts to get when your finishes yeah. start getting really high end yeah. and you add solar. Right. <laughs> you just add solar or a compost toilet and you've already and blown your budget. <laughs> a good battery bank. You yeah. Know, a lot, th- those things true. add up really quickly. Yes, they do. <laughs> so toy haulers is what you have next on this list. Yeah. So now we're in this sort of other types of RV category. And these are things that don't quite fit in the motorhome towable categories. And the reason toy haulers is here, a toy hauler is a They've started to make these RVs in the last several years that have the big door in the back that folds down into a ramp that you can pull an ATV, a motorcycle, bicycles, whatever you want up inside them. Your teeny tiny smart car. (laughs) Right. And they've got these little, they usually have couches in there that fold out of the way so that you can pull these in. It's, It's like driving a trailer with a garage inside of it behind you. And then often that ramp can act as a deck and and be sort of like a screen patio. Yeah, that's a really nice. We've seen a couple of those that so look so cool. The reason these are in the other category is because you can get them in trailer version and you can also get them in motorhomes. And people are really liking these lately, not because they want to bring their toys with them, which they were kind of designed for, but because people like the flexibility of this back room that is sort of bare bones and they can kind of do whatever they want with it. So they can turn it into an office, a kid's room, you know, a, a craft room. It's a blank slate. A place place. It's, yeah. a, it's a blank slate. And, and I think that's really exciting to a lot of people. Yeah. When you have such limited space to work with, it's always very exciting when you get something that you could mm-hmm. customize yourself. The challenge with the toy hauler is you might end up in some... RV parks where the site, you know, there's a dead stop at the back. There's trees yeah. or there's, you know, obstructions in the way. And you can't That drop might them. make an issue to, to open up your back yeah. door. So quickly, we'll just move through some of these other things that we have here. And, you know, if you want more information about them, you can go check it out on the website. But we did list park models as an option because that's really been on the rise lately park models are rvs that are meant to sort of stay in place for a while you see them a lot at resort type campgrounds Mm -hmm. they can be moved but usually people that own them don't own the big truck to move them with and they only move them when they might change. Right. Usually they buy the site and it's the park their, model is there. It's their yearly getaway resort. Yes. Maybe. It's their home away from home. Another one which is incredibly popular. You cannot turn on like the DIY network or HGTV without seeing an episode about tiny homes. And we talked about it before. Tiny homes are essentially a custom made or homemade travel trailer. There's yes. really not much of a difference. And the the downfalls can be that often, if they're not RVIA certified, you might have issues getting them into parks. And then sometimes that they aren't built to travel well. But sometimes they are. It just sometimes depends they on are. how it's built. Yeah, it depends on you and it 
a lot of times these are also ones that are shopped out. Yeah. So it depends on to the you know the, the model manu- you the buy and the manufacturer. Right. So finally, and this is something we have talked a lot about in a previous podcast. I think it was like episode three or four, um, and that is the bus, truck, and van conversion, which we are individuals who fall into this category. Yeah, we have our we have our schoolie, our school bus conversion, but people convert. Uh, Classic coaches like MCIs and Eagles, school buses, city transit buses, mail trucks. Double-decker buses, <laughs> which lot, is amazing. And a lot of cargo vans recently, people doing the whole van life. Oh, van life movement. is, that yeah. is. And box trucks. We've seen a couple box trucks yeah. on the road that have been converted. And these are similar to tiny homes. They're custom-built motor homes. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a great route to go if you want something that's custom and unique to you. They are a lot of work. They are, but the rewards are really great. The rewards and, are you know, fantastic. They are fantastic. And it's one of those situations, too, with this particular option where you are absolutely gutting something. If this is the way you go, you completely gut it on the inside and then you build it to your specifications. And that's exactly what we did as parents with three boys we wanted three bunks and we built a home to suit our needs um you know but you will put in a lot of time and a and a lot of sweat and frustration and tears and laughter and unless tears. you have somebody else build it for you then you're right. then, you, don't have then you just cry when they hand you the bill <laughs> <laughs> so that was just kind of like our little rundown of all of the RVs that are out there. You know, again, you can check out this article. We'll link it in the show notes, which is at rvmiles.com slash episode nine. And on that note, I think we're going to take a little break. Yeah, we'll take a break and we'll come back and we'll talk about getting connected on the road. So you can get on the interwebs. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. And on this segment, we wanted to talk about getting connected on the road. And mainly that means getting internet. WWW. <laughs> Going to your interwebs and surfing. Never gets old. <laughs> surfing the internet. So there are a lot of options out there. Yeah, and most of them are terrible. Yes. <laughs> Or very expensive. The first thing you need to know about internet on the road is it's just not going to be the same as internet at home. There is no option that makes it exactly the same as having a cable modem or even DSL at home. You're not going to get that speed and reliability out of really anything. Yeah. And if you're banking on getting the internet at the campgrounds you're staying at, don't stay at any national, state, Army Corps, forest campgrounds. Don't stay there. They're the, not going to have the internet. Well, even the, and the ones that do, the internet is not going to be good. No, um, no, it's and not. It's not that it's bad. Although this place we're at this right now, best internet we've had. Pretty good. I mean, For 15 bucks a night, we're getting really great yeah. internet. I mean, all of us have been on devices at once and they've all been working. And that, I mean, that's like, whoa. But it's, it's rare and you really can't 
count on it. No, you can't. And that, I would say, has been the biggest learning curve for us because we do have ourselves set up where we have a pretty generous hotspot. And even that has been difficult when trying to get from point A to point B. We just lose service. Yeah. So we have what is called a Wi-Fi Ranger. That's the brand name. And it is an antenna that can access Wi-Fi signals from further away than your phone or your computer would otherwise be able to pick it up from. And it's useful for when we're at places like this. It's also useful for when we're traveling down the road and we might stop at a McDonald's, a Walmart, where have you, and we can pick up their internet. What's also nice about it is it creates a network inside our motorhome. So whatever internet we have at that time, wherever we are, whether it's coming from our phones, whatever, we can connect to the Wi-Fi Ranger and it broadcasts a network inside our RV. So all of our devices can stay connected to the Wi-Fi Ranger and we just have to change whatever the input is. Yeah, and that's been a real lifesaver, I would say, having that, because when we have been in places where there has been no service at all of any type, but prior to getting to that location, let's say we downloaded some current tunes for the kids, or, you know, we took advantage of the fact that you can, you know, have downloads now from Amazon Prime and Hulu and Netflix, we can sync up still with the Apple TV and run those movies or cartoons or whatever it is that we have downloaded and still be able to enjoy those things, even though we have absolutely zero service whatsoever. Yeah. But we need that connection between the Apple TV and the phone in order to like make that work. We need that internet connection. Yeah. So let's take a step back for a sec. There are three options really for internet on the road. And those are going to be public Wi-Fi satellite internet and cellular internet through your cell phone plan. Your your Wi-Fi is going to be whether that campground offers Wi-Fi, whether you can pick it up from businesses nearby. At the mercy of someone else. And it's at the mercy of someone else. So it can be, it could be really good. They might have a really good setup, but the problem is you have all these other people at the campground that are all on it at the same time. And when everybody's trying to get on Netflix or whatever, uh, it, it just doesn't work. It drags it. it drags. The sometimes, evenings can be really rough. Sometimes it will work well during the day, um, but the evenings and weekends are going to be terrible. I'll tell you the best places with Wi-Fi are the ones that only have it up at the office, or they might even charge a small fee for it. You might think that that doesn't sound good when you're reading about a campground, but that usually means that you're actually going to be able to go and do the things that you need to do. So if you need to go do some emailing or whatever, you can go up to the office and get it done and it's going to work. If it's a if if it's a campground wide internet service, everybody's going to be trying to get on it. Their computers are going to be updating, their phones are updating, they're downloading apps, they're watching Netflix and it's just it, they, there's just no there's no way to really yeah, make it work tough. for a campground affordably. You know, you're, you're, you would be paying $100 a night to camp at a campground that has good Wi-Fi often because it's just that tough. The reason, you know, the reason this campground we're at, the Wi-Fi is so good, it's because it's a small campground and there's only 12, 15 sites. Yeah. That's really why it is. Yep. So, so Wi-Fi is a great tool to have in your toolkit. It's not something that you're going to rely on because it's just too spotty. Now I say one thing we do often do 
is go to places like Starbucks and McDonald's and use their Wi-Fi. Yes, we do. When we need to do a real heavy amount of work. Yeah, and I have zero issue with that. I have zero issue with going to Starbucks. Getting away for a few hours. (laughs) I will say... (laughs) Yes. Or sometimes we do take the kids with us if we have been without any sort of internet access for several days. We will all go together. The kids get their time to catch up on watching their friends' YouTube videos or, you know, watching cartoons while you and I work. (laughs) I should mention that if you are parked long term at a campground, you can often get the the internet company, the local internet company, to come in and wire you up with a cable modem. So that is an option if you're not somebody who is mobile. But we're really talking about mobile stuff here. Yeah. So the next option beyond Wi-Fi is satellite internet. And satellite internet seemed like it was going to be all the rage, but it is something that really has not caught on. And there's a reason for that. And that is, it's incredibly difficult to, you know, travel around with a satellite dish and aim it every time. Uh, the The satellite internet that covers most of the country isn't very good. You can get this really good, fast satellite internet on the coast. And I think they just launched a, a satellite that covers the middle of the country that's not online yet or whatever. But the problem with satellite internet is that it is kind of pay-as-you-go and it's not very fast and it's very expensive. It's great for if you are somewhere where you get no other connectivity any other way. It seems like something where you hear it and you think, wow, this is so the future of Internet. And like, yeah, I'm going to get in on this and satellite everywhere. And then you get it and you're like, wow, this is like this is like AOL <laughs> dial up again. Like There are some exciting advances coming down the road in satellite Internet that we won't get into. But I think they will open up some possibilities for those people who really go like to go out in the middle of nowhere, away from anything. Yeah, it is a way. It 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 is a way to get connection. Yeah, because that's the one thing that we struggle with, especially when we're in a lot of the more remote national parks, is any sort of cell service whatsoever to allow us to hotspot and work. So that's the third way. And that's the main way that people on the road get internet is through their cellular provider. And that can be through uh, using your phone as a hotspot. You're you're using your smartphone as a hotspot for data to connect to your computer, uh, to play Netflix videos on your TV, what have you. That can be getting a dedicated hotspot Verizon calls them jetpacks that is just made for internet. Um, there are a few unlimited possibilities out there. You're going to be unlimited. You're going to be limited with data almost any route you choose. So the first thing you need to think about is who your cellular provider is going to be. And we use Verizon. We do. They have the best coverage nationwide. Yeah, don't let anyone tell you that Sprint has the best coverage nationwide because they don't. (laughs) Uh, No, Sprint is fourth. Uh, Yes. Although someone we know likes to argue with us on a very regular basis that... (laughs) Well, I mean, the the thing is, Sprint, you're going to get a good deal on on your unlimited phone plan. Yes, but it's a very good urban, suburban deal. It's going to work really well near cities. But if you have multiple people, sometimes people like to have multiple 
plans in their arsenal from different carriers. That could be one route to go is to have a, a cheaper Sprint plan and a more expensive Verizon plan. We yeah. found it better to bundle two Verizon phones together. Yeah, but we're always still trying to look at ways to cut it down mm-hmm. because really, no matter how you bundle it, this is, an ex- expensive. this is expensive and it's getting more and more expensive as the demands for more and more data, more and more internet, more and more options continue to grow from users. So we have two phones on the new Verizon Unlimited plan. We can use the data on our phones in an unlimited fashion. Once we get up to 21 megabits a month, we could potentially be slowed down. And that's 21 per phone, per phone, not together. If the tower is busy. We have not run into that at all. No. And I have let... We've never been slowed down on that. We let the kids on our phones yes. watching YouTube or whatever. We, <laughs> yes, we We do. watch Netflix in bed at night. Yes. It's all fine. Now, you can hotspot your computer to your phone then or any other devices and that were limited to 15 gigs a month on either phone after 15 gigs a month they will slow us down on either phone we run four websites and we find that this amount of data works decently for us i'm able to upload these podcasts which are data heavy we're able to download and re-upload lots of large photos you're not going to be able to unlimitedly watch Netflix tethering to your TV, but you will be, if you want to watch it on your phone itself, you'll be able to do that. No, but if you're in a situation where you need to work while you're on the road, be it that you are on an extended vacation with your family, your full-time, your, you know, extended part-time, these kind of plans are what we feel are the best options out there in regards to amount and in regards to how much you're going to pay. A lot of times when we are traveling, we do travel from point A to point B during the week. And a lot of times while Jason is driving, I am tethered and I'm on the computer and I'm working. And, you know, that is still can be incredibly frustrating because we will go through pockets where we will lose service. But I would say 75% of the time I am able to work quickly and efficiently and get stuff done while we're traveling around throughout the country with very little issue. Yeah. So now Verizon has the best nationwide coverage. But AT&T is in a close second. Yes, they are. Very close. And there are some areas AT&T covers that Verizon doesn't. And another thing to think about with AT&T is that most RVers are on Verizon because of this. And if you are in a rural area that has a lot of RVers in it, and that can be common, like at a national park, there might not be very many towers. Yep. And those towers can, those Verizon towers can get congested. And you might have a better signal on AT&T. Yeah, I think like what we did, and this is what we kind of recommend to anyone, is that you go and you look at the potential carriers that you want to work with. And you go and you look at their coverage map and get an idea of like, if you think that you're going to be really heavy traveling in the West and that's really your goal as, a, as you know, or you're going on vacation and you're going to be in the East for a long period of time, take a look at their coverage map and just kind of see what your what your options are so that you know going into it that 
I feel confident I'm going to have service in and around this area while we're there for me to continue to work or be able to access the important things I need to access while I'm away. Yeah. So with AT&T, the current big popular thing among RVers right now is something called the Mobley. And this is a device that they meant for, you know, cars are coming with cell phone, cell, cellular internet yes, plans are. now. Yes, they are. And this device was designed to go into a vehicle so you could have a wireless internet traveling in your vehicle with you. Um, and unlike the other car- carriers, it doesn't need to be attached to your vehicle. And it is the only place where you can get unlimited internet you have an unlimited wireless hotspot and it's called the Mobley from AT&T and it's only $20 a month. Mm -hmm. The problem is it is totally sold out. (laughs) (laughs) The problem is you can't get one. (laughs) And I have a feeling that at some point AT&T is going to realize they screwed up and it's going to change. It's going to be a problem. But for now people are getting, People have these plans and they're working very well for them and they're getting, they're using unlimited internet wherever they are. So that is an option for you and you don't have to have any sort of other AT&T plan to get it. So That's saying you can get one. Right. We desperately want one. We can't get one yet. So we're no, if that. anyone has an in with AT&T, we really need one. <laughs> Let me know. <laughs> That'd be great. So cellular internet is going to be your way to go mainly and if you need more data than like what we use then you can get a hotspot additionally you can buy you you can get like a jet pack from verizon and have another 15 20 gigs of data on that and you're going to be paying more for that and that will provide you with excess but you just need to know that traveling on the road like this there is a trade-off and you're not going to be able to use that internet the way that you want to you're going to be using the internet the way you would have at home five or six years ago yeah <laughs> you know when it... you've got me <laughs> not quite that bad <laughs> but you know you have to be thoughtful about like abby was saying download and something to watch on netflix when you're on a wi-fi connection or what have you so that you're using a little bit less data yeah the one thing i wanted to add and finish up this conversation was that is that if you're in an area where your cellular signal isn't so good, one thing you can buy is a wireless booster. And these are devices, sometimes they're cradles, sometimes uh, they're just a device that your 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 hotspot or your phone connects to or sits on. These are devices that have an antenna that amplifies the signal of the cell towers. And what that can mean is a difference in from zero bars to having one or two bars of service, which is all the difference in the world. You know, you can actually do stuff on two bars and you can't on zero bars. Um, WeBoost is a brand that makes some great cellular boosters. You should check those out. I also want to recommend that you check out the RV Mobile Internet Resource Center. Chris and Cherie from Technomadia, they run this website and have for a while, and they are the go-to resource for internet on the road. So if you have questions about RV internet and how to get it and all the options, 
go to rvmobileinternet.com and they've got a lot of info there for you. And I think the number one thing that they talk about is sort of having an arsenal. If yeah. you really need to be connected on the road, you need to have lots of different options for being yeah, connected. Yeah, one thing isn't going right. to cut it. And we will link to their website in our show notes, as well as some of the other things that Jason has been talking about as well, so that you can kind of go out and build your own arsenal. That's right. To always stay connected. To Snapchat. <laughs> <laughs> to tweet. <laughs> and on that interwebs note you have this week's brain teaser for us right i do as you're clicking around like trying I to find it. It. Found it okay you ready yes always excited a family lives in a large tower apartment building 10 floors high not that high but what <laughs> every day their son takes the elevator from the family's apartment on the 10th floor to the ground floor and goes to school he's got a school right down there must be nice yeah convenient they must live in downtown chicago <laughs> When he returns in the afternoon, he uses the elevator to get to the fifth floor and then uses the stairs for the remaining five floors. Why? I have no idea. Well, you'll find out next week. He just wants exercise. Maybe that's part of his PE requirement, like from his school on the ground floor. Like, that's their gym to make all the kids go up five flights to their houses there. I don't know. We'll have the answer to this week's brain teaser on next week's episode of the RV Miles podcast. Yep. So that's going to do it for us this week. So thanks you guys so much for listening and hanging in here with us. If you are liking what you hear, we would love a five-star review on iTunes. That just kind of helps boost us up in the ratings a little bit. And uh, make sure you subscribe. You know, we're on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever else you're getting your podcast. And until next week, you guys... Keep logging those RV miles. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.